0: You're listening to the Godfather and Gourney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. Ho, oh, ho, 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 this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney.
1: We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio and it was really the low point of my life.
2: That's right. Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney Podcast. My name is Dave Berry, producer of the show, and I am joined by National Recruiting Director Mike Farrell out on the East Coast and on the West Coast, National Recruiting Analyst Adam Gorney. Guys, we will jump right into these, the uh, topics we have on the table. We've had a lot of big decommitments lately with uh, Brandon Radley-Hiles uh, backing away off his commitment from Nebraska, Cave Mays, uh, decommitted from ten- Tennessee, and then most recently, Jamar Chase, uh, decommitting from Florida. Um, what do you guys think is, is the reason for this? Is this
0: a, a trend that we
2: should expect to see more of? Uh, what What's behind
0: all that? I think it's the early signing period. I think you're going to see a lot more of these as we get closer to that December date. Um, you know, again, you're talking about three absolute train wreck programs, um, you know, in, in Nebraska and Tennessee and Florida. So it's not like these guys are decommitting from Alabama. But... It just seems the timing of it, uh, we're going to see a lot more of these, um, and I and they think they're going to come from big-name guys that are you know, deciding to take a step back. Now, Mays is an early enrollee, um, so he doesn't really have a whole lot of time. He's still going to sign early. Um, I'm not sure about Radley Hiles. He's going to announce at the Army Bowl, I believe, and I don't think Chase is early either, so... I think it's just the early signing period and and the fact that these are three absolute dumpster fires, uh, that are going on in these three programs.
1: Yeah, I think it's more dumpster fire programs and early signing period for Mays. It could be, I mean, you know, Tennessee might not have a coach until a week or two before Mays has to make his final decision. So he has to open up and look at everybody. Um, you know, I think Buki was kind of looking around for a long time. Wasn't necessarily sold on Nebraska. And as this season went off the rails, you know, he has a lot of other big time programs that put big time defensive backs in the NFL recruiting him now. And so I think, you know, Clemson, you know, Oklahoma to some extent and and some other programs and, you know, what's going on at Florida. I don't know if anybody read that ESPN piece by my buddy Edward Ashoff, but I mean, you know, you have an old AD still involved in the decision-making. Spurrier is going into offensive meetings and giving them play calls. I mean, that seems like a little bit of a mess, and I'm not so sure how many coaches want to get involved with that because Jeremy Foley and Steve Spurrier are loved in Gainesville and not going anywhere. So I I don't know if these three guys have to do with the early signing period, but I do agree with Mike that down the road and in the next couple weeks, you're going to see guys who – uh, you know, aren't sure about their commitment, aren't sure about the future coaching staffs. And if they're being pressured to sign or, or even do want to sign early, that they're going to decommit and flip a lot.
0: Especially the early, yeah, early be... ones. You know, the, the, the guys that commit very early often do it as a placeholder. Go ahead, Dave.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, as we get closer to December 20th, um, if we have more decommitments. Uh, but the common thread with these three guys is like, is uncertainty with the coaching staff, right? I mean, there's still questions at Nebraska, um, Tennessee, obviously, it looks like it's it just a matter of time before Bush Jones is gone, and then Florida uh, with Jamar Chase, obviously, and, there's that too.
1: And so, yeah, so you're going to see, I think, a lot of kids committed to Nebraska that are considering signing earlier, Tennessee, Florida, Texas a and Arkansas, kind of down the line, kind of really rethink this to see where things are going to be because with an early signing period and it's December 20th, a lot of these coaches aren't going to lose their jobs for the next three or three weeks kind of leading up to those conference championship games or just around that time that gives those kids two weeks to make a decision on whether they want to go to those schools or not. So I think uh, in the next few weeks, you're going to see a lot of kids from those programs and maybe some others uh, kind of rethink things because they're not so sure about what's going on.
0: But maybe I have Alzheimer's. I don't remember three huge name guys like this decommitting in the span of a week last November. And that's why I say, you know, the early signing period pushes things up for them. Um, You know, had there not been an early signing period, I don't think you'd see these decommits. I think, you know, a guy like Radley Hiles, maybe he decommitted because he wanted to take other visits and Nebraska was giving him grief about it. But I think you'd you'd see guys like Radley Hiles, Mays, and Chase just hang on. What do they have to lose? And just wait it out, Um, even maybe after the dead period into January, because they have absolutely nothing to lose. They could still take other visits. But the decommitments, three huge ones in a week, to me is a trend. And I think it's the only thing I can see that's different this year from years past um, is is the early signing period. So I don't know. That's just me. You know, I I just think if it were otherwise – I think a lot of these kids have remain committed and wait and see who the new coach is.
1: Yeah, no, I, and I agree with you, Mike, and I think what's going to happen as the early signing period approaches in those days before December 20th is you're going to see a lot of other kids decommit because coaches, let's be honest, are going to pressure kids to sign early. They're not going to want to do that. They're going to want to take visits in January like always, and uh, they're going to have to back off those pledges um, because coaches want to lock numbers up early and this is, you know, we don't need to get into this discussion, but one of the main reasons why I'm against an early signing period is because January is so important for these kids because assistant head coaches are on the job for a few weeks. Assistant coaches are moving all over the place. And as much as people want to stand on their high horse and say kids should pick schools because of the school and not because of coaches, that's not how it works. And so, you know, you're going to have kids locked in on December 20th and then on you know, December 25th, 26th, 27th, assistant coaches are going to go elsewhere and those kids are screwed.
0: This is why I wanted it in August. Honestly, do you think Radley Hiles would have signed with Nebraska in August? No, I I think he might've. And you know that, but that doesn't benefit the kid at all. Yeah. But listen, if you're picking a school for your coach, you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself because there's absolutely no, let's say Mike Riley had a seven and five season this year, and then next year he stunk. He's gone anyways. You know, I think August would give kids an opportunity to pick a school for a school. I'm in love with that school, and not for a coach. We see way too many commitments for coaches. Cade um, May's dream school has been Tennessee forever. I think he would have signed in August. Uh, and I think honestly, I think whoever they get at Tennessee uh, would would be a guy that he likes. Um, I think he'd probably still have the same career at Tennessee as he would otherwise. Uh, But, you know, make it August. uh, Give them an opportunity to sign early. Then if they don't, then you've got a real early answer as to whether they're committed or not. And if they are stuck, they're stuck. That's life. You know, this is a big decision. But if you're making it based on the lies of a coach, you're making a dumb decision. So I think August would really cut a lot of that out. That's just me. But I'm cranky because this just this this, this, this uh, daylight savings thing has still got me cranky. It's one o'clock here we're taping and it's freaking dark. It's annoying me. That's because you're basically in Canada. <laughs> I am pretty much Connecticut is bordering Canada and it's 25 <laughs> degrees when I woke up this morning and last week it was 70. I, I just can't take this so that's why I'm cranky but make it August if you sign you know put on your big boy pants and go to the school. And deal with it. That's me. So then
1: you're going to have kids taking official visits in the middle of their junior seasons? Or in the middle of their junior years? Spring.
0: Spring. Spring. Listen, most of these kids can get to these locations on their own. I mean, we've seen it. You know, most of these kids don't take all five official visits or need to take all five. Let's say most of the kids that take five official visits, would you say, and I'm going to ask you point blank, that all five of those schools are under consideration or are they taking a couple just because uh,
1: oh of course kids are taking a couple just because and because they want to go get free trips i mean kids tell me that off the record they're going to schools yep. to get free trips
0: all right so give them five give them three in the spring and then if they need additional after august give them two and if they don't My want to sign is, in um, august then don't sign
1: My rule of thumb is: the more college football recruiting becomes like college basketball, the worse it is. So, an early I'm against an early signing period for that, and many other reasons. So, the the more the calendar is pushed up, the worse it is for everybody involved.
0: You just like the one day in February where you can run around like a lunatic and cover everything. It's needed. It's it's needed to happen. You know, I mean, so many of the big programs are picking off the the top guys of the the B programs and. You know, we all see new coaches come in and they fill classes at the last second and they just steal from the poor. Uh, It it just feeds the rich. Let these kids sign early and then you can't mess with them. Um, But, you know, as a clear Penn State homer, you like the fact that they could just pick off Rutgers and Maryland for commit after commit after commit late in the process if they have to. That's what you like.
1: Hey, Admit it. I'm a trickle-down economics kind of guy.
0: Uh, (laughs) Don't even get me involved in politics, because then I'll start ranting on Trump to get rid of daylight savings or whatever we're calling this this winter solstice garbage. But let's move on from this topic. I'm right, you're wrong. End of story. August it should be. No crying in football. If you sign with a school and their coach stinks and they hire a new one, guess what? He's probably going to be better than the old one. That's the way life works. You telling me they're not going to get a better coach at Tennessee than Butch Jones? You telling me that they're going to not upgrade from Jim McElwain? No, I know. Uh, come on, Mike Riley, come on. So, what a tremendous point I made. August is the way it is. I'm
1: convinced. And
0: Gordy's, Gordy, yeah, you should be. I mean, my God, there's nobody who's got more experience than this except for that that guy who used to deliver the mail. And I don't even think he's in this industry anymore, is he?
1: I don't, I don't in, think so, that, although you lose track after that. a while.
0: That's an inside joke. Um, people will know who he is, though, of course, because he still travels around the country in a jalopy. He can go take pictures of kids and says he evaluates them. But, again, <laughs> that's just my crankiness coming out again, so let's not, uh, Move, let's not moving get Moving forward? That. Yeah, moving forward, I did an article yesterday about the most talented rosters. I did this last year. I think it was Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State were on there. I think last year at LSU – uh, I forget who the fifth was. Uh, but this year, you know, Alabama clearly is the most talented roster. I had Clemson, two, Ohio State, three. I had USC at four and Florida State at five. So this was kind of funny. So obviously, Alabama, you say Alabama's number one. You go on the board. They're like, yeah, duh. Of course. We're number one. We're number one in everything. Clemson same thing yeah we just reload now you know we've been in two national championship games and we've won one now we just reload you go to Ohio State and I had one guy on there try to say that there wasn't a talented roster that Ohio State has and it's not the coach's fault and I'm like you are absolutely nuts you look at this roster it's loaded up and down with with NFL guys then I go on the USC site and they're all talking about injuries, 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 yeah. and really it's important offensive and defensive line. And you're talking about skill kids only. And then you go on Florida State and they just they just flip you the bird. They just don't want to even hear about anything uh, when there's when it comes to talent at Florida State. But look at those rosters. Uh, the others I considered LSU, Michigan, Georgia, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Auburn. So Gorney. Where, where's your, uh, where are you landing on this?
1: Yeah, you look at three. I mean, two of those obviously are doing well, you know, Clemson going to Syracuse and losing was a complete anomaly. I think, I think they'll be just fine, but three of those rosters, you have to say are underachieving right now. Uh, Ohio state has two losses, got, got blown out by Iowa. And, uh, other than AJ Epinesa name five players on that Iowa team that could play at Ohio state. I don't think there are many. Uh, you know, USC, at first it was sanctions. We don't have the numbers. That's why we were losing. Now it's injuries. We don't have the numbers. That's why we're losing. You know, if Christian Wilkins went down or, you know, Alabama's dealing with some injuries on the defense, I guarantee you they go to Starkville and and look just fine on defense. Um, so it's just a different level at the top level. And I think college football has gotten that way in the last three years. That's why we've seen Alabama and Clemson in the, in the national championship the last years. There are just two or three really phenomenal teams and then like 10 average ones. And then Florida State, you know, the season tanked when DeAndre Francois went down. But, uh, you know, other players aren't stepping up. So, you know, Florida State, the the board loves talking about Jimbo going to Texas A&M now. Uh, That seems to be the the rumor of the day. Um, But they have tremendous talent on that team. Uh, Running back, wide receiver guy, you know, the wide receivers haven't been stepping up. The offensive line, they have skilled players, but they're just not developing. Uh, Derwin James has been a little bit of a disappointment. I think the defense has been OK, but not great and always on the field because the offense is so bad. Um, but in terms of other teams that have you know, phenomenal rosters, you have to look at that Auburn defense because they are loaded and they're playing like it, especially after losing Cower, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, they were certainly up there, and offensively, you know, Stidham's played better as the season has gone on. Johnson Johnson's a terrific football player. The offensive line is kind of weird. You know, it's very good run-blocking offensive line, but not so much for pass protection mm-hmm. at times. They seem to cave in and fall apart, but Florida State's offensive line stinks. But these guys, Brian Burns, Derek Nottie, Josh Sweat, Matthew Thomas, Tavares, McFadden, Derwin James, Stanford Samuels, Levante Taylor, all of those defensive guys are going to be NFL football players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even on offense, a guy like Auden Tate, uh, if you had a quarterback, would be an NFL guy. Uh, the running backs are good. So I went with them. Um, it's funny because I, I tweeted out yesterday. I said something about, you know, the four biggest dumpster fires, but I was looking for a fifth. Because Friday I'm ranking the dumpster fires in college football. And the, the four were easy. You know, it's Tennessee, and the order is is up for grabs. You know, But obviously Tennessee is there, Florida, Nebraska, and Florida State, absolute dumpster fires. And some Florida State fan came on and said, well, we lost our quarterback. And then 85 Georgia fans jumped in and corrected him and said, you know what? We had a quarterback. His name was Jacob Easton. He got hurt in the first game of the season. We started a true freshman just like you guys did. And guess what? We're undefeated because our team cares and your team doesn't. So." Florida State, I put on there because they have a great roster, and they just don't care, uh, and they're they're definitely underachieving. But it's not easy. I, Oklahoma was another one I thought about quite a bit, except for the defense. I mean, the defense they've got a couple really good players on defense, and then the rest stink. Um, LSU had guys been healthier, had Arden Key been healthier, you know, maybe make a case for them, but then they've got some serious weaknesses. Uh, on their roster as well their defensive backs are young and very very good Georgia not an overly talented team I think everybody's very good I mean Chubb and Michelle are obviously very good I think Fromm's very good the defense I think there's some players on there like Raekwon uh, that are very very good but up and down I think they're right there with Auburn with a very good roster probably sixth or seventh on this list but I love doing this because there's no way to win uh, absolutely no way to win. Even if you go on Alabama's board and say, "Look, I put you guys at number one," well, yeah, you're stupid. <laughs> of course, we're number one, and then everybody else complains, and it's it's just hilarious. So I, I, I love that,
1: it that uh, you go you you go to Florida State and say you have a really talented roster. Yeah, but uh, but we suck. <laughs> and if we if, suck, you, didn't, our if coaches you didn't put suck. them on, if you didn't put them on, it's why didn't you put us on the list? We have a really talented roster.
0: Yeah, and, you know, every coach should be fired and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, again, most people thought my agenda was former five stars, and it's not. I mean, a lot of these guys that I'm mentioning are are four-star guys and not five stars, and that's really not what it's about. One person on the USC board said, well, if Sam Darnold didn't have 18 turnovers, would be fine. I'm like, well, yeah. Exactly, Yeah quarterback turning the ball over so often is a bit of a problem it doesn't mean you don't have a talented roster your two cornerbacks are both very very talented kids very talented and they both don't seem to be able to concentrate for more than three seconds at a time so um you know i'm just going based on sheer talent and these guys will go on to the nfl i mean they'll be drafted that doesn't mean they'll be successful in the nfl but they'll certainly all be drafted but even more so than that was the response of my big 10 makeover we, we know about the leaders and the legends and all that stuff, but I'm like, there, enough of this Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State being in the same division. Enough. The West is awful. Wisconsin could go 13-0 and, and get left out of the playoff because they don't play anybody. Mix it up. And mix it up I did, Adam Gorney. So I put in Division A, Ohio State, Michigan, and Iowa are, are the three big programs. The middling program is Northwestern. And then the also-rans are Purdue, Minnesota, and Illinois. That's Division A. I didn't come up with a name for it uh, because the leaders and legends sucked, and my name would probably be worse. And then Division B, we got Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. So we split up Penn State, Michigan State, from Ohio State and Michigan. Those are the three leaders. I shouldn't say leaders. Powers. And then Nebraska is the middling program, and then Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana are the also-rans. But I think this keeps – and then you can have cross-division rivalries. You can keep Michigan State and Michigan. Um, I, I just think, you know, a mix-up would be something that, that would really be beneficial to the Big Ten. And I know people said, well, you're stupid. You know, this is based on just the last three or four years of results and all this other stuff. Well, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are all going to recruit better than anybody else in the Big Ten for the rest of our lives. Period. End of story. Never going to change. If Penn State didn't die from what the sanctions were brought upon them, if they didn't turn into Villanova, as I predicted incorrectly, they're never going to be beaten down, ever. And if Penn State's not going to get beaten down, Ohio State and Michigan are never going to get beaten down. So you got to mix it up a little bit. But you're Mr. Big Ten. What do you think? In the Big
1: Ten you have an argument, and putting those four teams in the same division has been so unfair to the conference as a whole, because, uh, they just cannibalize each other, you know, in the sec 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was a joke. It was a joke and making that change would have been a little bit different. Um, I, I, kind of hesitate doing this just because who knows, but we do know that Penn state is not going anywhere. And we'll, if they're not the top team in the, in the, in their division, they will be two, three, or four. We know Michigan state is, is always going to be up there. We know Michigan and Ohio state are definitely going to be teams. And then in the West, uh, we know, you know, Northwestern's never going to be all that special. Purdue is going to be probably an average to a a slightly above average team. If they really get things going, Iowa and Wisconsin are going to be probably strong forever. So I think in the big 10, you have a real argument here where you don't in other conferences because things do change so often. Uh, I wouldn't want to see a struggling Stanford team when Harbaugh was there go to the South. Uh, because it would make the South so much stronger than the North. Uh, I'm trying to think in the SEC, if you had moved Alabama during the Shula years uh, or their light years over to the East and you had Florida, Georgia, and Alabama in the same conference, that would be bad. But in the big 10, you're almost virtually guaranteed that Michigan, Ohio state, Michigan state and Penn state are going to be probably, you know, four of the top five teams in the conference. Wisconsin will be up there. Iowa will be up there, but there is a lot of, you know, low hanging fruit there uh, on the West that, you know, a, a team from a team or two from the East could go over there to kind of balance things out.
0: Yeah. And somebody pointed out, in fact, one of our co-workers, which, you know, I had to slap him down, um, pointed out that nine of the last 10 SEC champs have come from the SEC West. So why don't you split them up? And I'm like, well, no, 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 no. It's a little different because there's a team named Alabama that wins all of those. You know, I mean, that's just the way it works. You don't have a team currently in the Big Ten that's dominant like Alabama is. Um, So I think the parity is necessary. And then a a Nebraska fan said, well, why are you giving us two road games at the geographically furthest points? Why do we have to travel all the way to Rutgers and all the way to Maryland? And I'm like, dude, I just gave you two wins. I just gave you two wins. And And you're complaining about travel. I mean, if you can't beat Maryland and Rutgers every year, Nebraska, say goodbye. It's over. So I love the complaints. I love the discussion. Michigan State fans hated this. They were vehemently arguing that the Michigan State-Michigan rivalry is a bigger rivalry than Michigan-Ohio State. No,
1: it's it's it's, it's definitely not. Yeah, that's
0: what... I'm telling you, they were saying that they were they were they were adamant about it, and they called me every name in the book. And I'm like, "You guys are living in you living in your own world." I guess everybody is living in their own world, but okay, we'll do that as a cross uh, division rival. Yeah, you could always have Michigan the cross division. every year. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: You could always have those things. Um, you could have Michigan, Michigan State every uh, year, and it continued, and Iowa,
0: Nebraska, exactly every year. C-
1: continue the traditions that have been important but make the conference championship game more balanced. When you go to Indianapolis, you just sort of know that the Ohio State, you know, Penn State, whoever's going there, has a a, a much better chance of winning that game. And honestly, the way I feel about it is it's almost unfair that the East is the way it is because, you know, they get bashed down every week going to Michigan. You know, Penn State had to go to Michigan – to Ohio State, I'm sorry Michigan two Ohio State and then to Michigan State in three back-to-back weeks. name one West team that is, can even comes close comes close to that competitive level throughout an entire season uh, you know Wisconsin, like you said and I wrote today if anybody wants to read it, can go undefeated and still will not have the opinion of most committee members uh, that they deserve to be in the final four. If you said that about any team in the east that wouldn't even be a conversation.
0: Yeah, that's why I, that's why I wrote it because of Wisconsin and because of the fact that they might get left out at 13 and 0. People say it's never going to happen. It could happen. I mean, you know, mathematically will it happen? I don't know. I mean, obviously there's there's a few elimination games coming up potential elimination games coming up one this weekend with Miami and Notre Dame in in a lot of people's minds but if Miami loses I don't think they're eliminated Um, I think if Notre Dame loses they are but there's so many ways where Wisconsin can be left out that the Big Ten has to look at itself and say well why is Wisconsin left out because they don't play anybody because they're in a horrible division Uh, is that something that's going to change I don't know I mean, we've been waiting for a long time for Nebraska football to come back. Uh, Iowa's been up and down. I mean, they almost made the playoff a few years ago, but they're not really a team that's consistent. Uh, Someone else complained that I split up, uh, who was it, Wisconsin and Minnesota for, what's that, is that the wooden bucket, or I don't even know which one that is. Uh, Whatever it was, I'm like – I'm like, when's the last time Minnesota beat Wisconsin? Yeah. So let's not worry about that particular rivalry. But, um, you know, if you want to make that a cross-division cross, uh, a cross division rivalry, you can as well. But I thought it was just utterly ingenious what I came up with. Um, so, And I also dropped a Charlize Theron reference in the article. So if you haven't read it yet, uh, I put it back up on the page because – it's really going to enrich your day, especially if you're in the Northeast and you're miserably depressed because it's going to be dark in 20 minutes. So I think you should give it well, a look read. At, look so. at
1: Wisconsin's and – the, and the final point on this is look at Wisconsin's schedule and then look at what Oklahoma has done. Go to Ohio State and win by double digits. Uh, beat Texas. Beat Kansas State. Beat Oklahoma State there by double digits. We'll probably – you know if, if this argument continues, we'll beat TCU and we'll beat West Virginia – and then we'll win the Big 12. I think that's a, even a stronger argument with a one-loss team uh, than Wisconsin would have going all the way through. And then essentially, I would imagine having to beat, who would it be, Michigan State in the uh, in the Big Ten Championship? Uh,
0: somebody with two losses.
1: Yeah, somebody with two losses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: that's, that's it. So, I mean, it's not going to help them at that point. That's why I think Wisconsin is going to get shut out, because they have they have no – there's no – People have to drop back to them. They can't move up. There's no games left on their schedule where they're going to jump. So people have to drop back to them. And, you know, I know Barry Alvarez is on the, I don't know if he's on the committee again. or. He was just talking the other day about there's no way we could see an undefeated Power 5 champion get left out. Well, there is a way, and it could happen this year. So maybe we go to eight. Eight would be fine. I'm fine with eight. Uh, And we'll get there, too. But I think these divisions need to be shook up. But, you know, listen, it's all fun to talk about. This is all about money. This is all about uh, dollar bills. If it doesn't make sense for the Big Ten, they're not going to do anything. And no one's listening to me, trust me. I just wrote a stupid article that I think people should read. So Um, speaking of stupid stupid stuff, (laughs) no, stupid stuff. I mean, is this the week which Jones gets fired? Because it's been pretty stupid that he hasn't been fired yet um that you know missouri your team that you're riding in your pick'em. i think you got missouri as your lock of the week coming up again on friday for what the fourth week in a row or i'm something? riding
1: missouri like they're favored
0: by they're favored by 11 points over tennessee that that line alone should get
1: push-ups <laughs> push-ups fired and here's my thinking behind this one tennessee evan Berry's out they have a bunch of defensive Injuries, Guarantano will be a game time decision. They had so much tape on his shoe last week. You know, it was like a roll. Uh they had to put a freshman quarterback in. They're going on the road. Again, he's getting questions about being fired. Does Tennessee really show up for an offense that really is clicking now? I mean, Florida gave up last week, but you know, Tennessee could give up this week and Missouri can score points. Their defense is is you know pretty much hot garbage. We could put them on the list for next week, but they're getting much better. Um and so the offense is going to score a lot of points. Tennessee can't score. Their quarterback, you know, has uh, an ankle problem. They might have to go to a freshman on the road. And, and nobody walks into Columbia, Missouri and gets an easy win.
0: Nobody walks into <laughs> Columbia, Missouri and gets an easy one. Absolutely not. And I don't think this will be the week. If this is the week, then they're really – they're dumber than I think. I think now they're stuck where they have to wait till the end of the season. Because if they fire them after Missouri – if they lose, then people will be saying, well, you could have done this after South Carolina. You could have done this after Alabama. You could have done this uh, – who would they lose to after that? I can't even remember right uh, now. But the, No, the Georgia route. You could have done this so long ago, and maybe we'd have Cade Mays still in the hunt because he'd be like, oh, well, they finally got rid of the coach. I mean, we know he's going to be fired. But I think if they fire him after Missouri – that would show that they're even more stupid than I thought. I would. So I don't think this is the. My week.
1: thinking only here is if Missouri blows them out like Missouri blew Florida out last week, and it was clear that Florida gave up, uh, and Missouri beats Tennessee that way. They don't want Butch showing his face again in Neyland Stadium for the final two games against LSU and Vandy. They just get an interim. You know the stadium will fill up in hopes that something can be turned around and maybe they can make a bowl. And, uh, and then they just move on from there. Um, but in one week, if they lose their top recruit in this class, a five-star who basically lived for going to Tennessee, grew up in Knoxville, and then gets blown, blown out on the road to a Missouri team. That's not very good. Uh, I think this could be it for him.
0: And speaking of, um, bowl games, how lame is it that Florida state rescheduled, the louisiana oh, I know. monroe game i know that's so lame that
1: besta- that is sad
0: i mean it's 35 years or whatever so now they got clemson you assume that's a loss so what what's the magic number we gotta get to here six one, yeah, two. six they got three wins right now they're gonna lose to clemson so four wins at, against dsu now try to figure out what that is. Delaware State okay, is that a football team? Delaware State. No, I know, but like, just try <laughs> to figure out. <laughs> DSU. DSU. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the infamous. It's not like OSU or USC. It's DSU. DSU. So there's four. Then then hot garbage Florida. You assume would be five, and then the fight in Louisiana Monroe's would be six. So you'd get you'd get invited to a bowl at six and six with wins over. Wake Forest, Duke, Syracuse, DSU, Florida, and ULM. What a joke! Like they shouldn't allow the bowl streak to continue. It should just, it should just end. Just, just end it and start anew. Because rescheduling that game is for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to get in a stupid I, bowl. I really don't care, and you don't, you don't deserve. I don't care. They don't deserve to be Florida in Florida
1: State wins or loses. It's none of my concern, really. But wouldn't it just be really funny if they're uh, five and six going into the Florida game and then lose? (laughs) The entire point of rescheduling is ULM is to get to six wins and then they still can't even get there.
0: Well, what would be more funny is if ULM beat them. them. (laughs) That would be funny. So shame on you. Shame on you, Florida State, for rescheduling that game. Listen, I more football, the better, but we know the reason behind it. Um, but anyhow, I digress. Dave Doran, stop your whining. Just stop it. Somebody had a laptop on the sideline. If you saw the guy who had it, he looked clearly like he wasn't a football coach. He looked like some nerd who's tweeting something out. It wasn't a technology advantage. They weren't scheming to beat your football team. Just be quiet. Just because your season fell apart and you're complaining about everything now, stop whining. Now Boston College is going to have to slap you down in Chestnut Hill in front of a raucous crowd of 30,000 people uh, in a 45,000-seat stadium because you're whining. So just stop it. And
1: if you're talking about nerds on the sideline with laptops, I mean, there's no better place than Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts for something like that, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> laptops are not allowed on the sidelines because that scary technology advantage that you'd have with a laptop with some guy tweeting something stupid, or I think he was like putting uh, photos on a photo card or something. Stupid. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't like it was Dabo or, or one of his coordinators over there on the thing. It's like just lose with class and, and, and Bradley Chubb lose with right, class. Yeah. Stop with towel pulling, spitting on the floor. Well, he spit on the Florida State yeah. logo, first of all. And then, you know, that, that was one incident. Now he's doing the towel pulling. And st- you're a potential top 10 draft pick in the NFL, and you're giving all these people reason to think that you're a nut job and you're loose cannon and you're crazy. Just go out there, dominate, and, and go home. Stop spitting on logos. Stop stealing towels. Uh, stop being st- stupid. NC state has really annoyed me greatly. And this was a team that obviously everybody's sort of pulling for, you know, Hey, wow. The Cinderella story in the ACC. And now it's just like, just I- I've had enough. Yeah.
1: I had, I had high hopes for NC state this year. I thought they were going to be kind of a sleeper team. They go and, you know, route Louisville, which I like to see. I thought the, the crowd was very impressive the entire season, especially against Louisville and Clemson. And then you have your coach com- you know, complaining that the the social media nerd is putting up pictures during the game. I don't think that the advantage that Dabo had was, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put a laptop on the sideline and that's going to give us the the advantage to beat NC State. So it just sounds like sour grapes. It sounds like a loser coach that just wants to complain about something and stay in the news. And it just looks bad. I thought Dabo's comment that he said that it challenges his integrity. That's the best thing because what what can Doran say now? You know, I mean, it, it, was he challenging his integrity? Um, you know, so I thought Dabo handled it well. He didn't make a big fuss about it, but he said what he wanted to say. Chubb doing the, the towel pulling thing. That's so that just reeks of NC State still being a second rate team and not being, you know, or should be considered one of the top teams in the ACC. It's just when you have to pull stunts like that, when you have to come out and com- complain about some kid with a laptop on the sideline, that just reeks of you being an average football team.
0: And now their punishment is to get a heavy dose of AJ Dillon. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome in Boston College. Good luck handling that kid. Hence state he stayed a three-point favorite. Boston College going to win outright. Just watch. So let's get to our amazing, amazing predictions. We didn't get to do this last week because you guys have such a hectic social life. We couldn't even get this. What everybody's done. waiting
1: for, you mean? But, like, right? This is what everybody's waiting for.
0: Well, yeah, they're tuned into this podcast for how long now? I mean, thirty-seven minutes of this hot garbage, and now they're waiting for our great picks. But but <laughs> Gorney, Gorney's onto something with this Missouri thing. I mean, he's found his niche. Maybe his picks are good. I'm going to pick a team outside of the top 25 that will upset a team in the top 25. Uh, and I'm looking right now because I've done zero. And I'll tell you, if you pick Georgia Tech at and, minus
1: three, that's another bogus pick. You can't do that.
0: It's got to be an upset,
1: an actual upset, not not a three-point line.
0: Well, I'm picking uh, as of today, which is Thursday. I'm taking Stanford. I think Stanford's going to beat Washington. How about that? Not a bad pick. Outright. Not a bad pick Friday at night. Power football. Friday night. In front of all the rabid, crazy Stanford fans. Speaking of nerds. You, you know, know, I have,
1: I have a, a, a story about this. I once covered the Stanford-Oregon football game. And, uh, you know... I had gone to Penn State, 105,000 people tailgating all day, and I'm walking to get my media pass and the entire student section, I no lie, almost every kid is sitting on the ground on their laptop. And I was like
0: They're curing <laughs> cancer, bro. <laughs> I'm like I mean they're doing more than you and I are. We're on a student. I, I don't podcast.
1: care. It's Saturday. Put it away and enjoy yourself a little bit. Uh I go in. The stadium's not even packed. It was. I think Oregon was like a top five team in the country at that time. Chip Kelly was there. De'Anthony Thomas, and Oregon just routed them. And I was like, you know, that's because the students were on their laptops before the game. It was just. It was. It was just annoying to see. And so I wouldn't mind.
0: And it brings back one of the greatest commitments ever, which was Solomon Thomas putting on the nerd (laughs) glasses when he committed to Stanford. That was hilarious. Things worked out pretty well for him though with the. NFL and all those millions of dollars, but that was a great commitment putting on absolute total nerd glasses to commit to Stanford. And it's just, it's Stanford. They're smarter than everybody else. I mean, you need like a, a, a 2,800 SAT to get into Stanford or something ridiculous. So I mean, Gorney's just cause it's your safety school. Gorney doesn't mean everybody else can get right. in there. Uh, I, I don't know. Mr. Mr. Penn's. Uh, Penn State. I like
1: you to talk about another school of uh, high academic standards I like Utah beating Washington State. I think Purdue can go and beat Northwestern. Uh, I think Colorado can actually give USC a run. Those Southern California kids don't like when it's cold outside, and so I think that could be a little bit of an issue. I, um,
0: that was the other one I was I was looking at Colorado and USC because USC can lose to anybody and can beat anybody. And really, should we really have a top twenty-five anymore if Northwestern's yeah. ranked? Should, shouldn't it be like a top 15 because you got to stuff 25 teams into there so you get teams like lsu is ranked i mean yeah. come on and northwestern's ranked they, they should not be ranked football teams it's really bad. let's get
1: to the games of uh, of import but that's, though
0: that's that there are yeah there games are, i believe
1: weekend? six ranked games teams that both ranked are
0: playing each other oh, wow That's crazy. All right, get to the first one. Let's go in order. I'll 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 do Michigan State and Ohio State. Which JT Barrett are we going to say? Interesting.
1: Seventeen point favorites, Ohio State.
0: That means they think they're going to be angry, but you know they were what seventeen point favorites or twenty one point favorites against Iowa. I would take I would take Michigan State in that line, but that line is so screwy. You know, Ohio State's going to win by thirty because that's that's just, the, the line makes I no I could see
1: sense. a 34-10 kind of game and 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 Ohio State covers and and a lot of the public is on Michigan State and the line keeps climbing. The same was true last week when Ohio State went to Iowa, uh but uh we'll, we'll see because this will still have Big 10 East ramifications, right? The winner of this game would end up going, right?
0: Yeah, they're both five they're both five they're both five and 1 7 and 2. in the conference. I mean, this is a very, very important game, you know, to both programs. And you're going to see Ohio State rush for about 400 yards, I think, also. Because I believe Michigan State's a good football team. I think they should cover that line. But everything I believe is always wrong. So bet the opposite of what I say. This will be the one where they decided not to run the ball last week against Iowa. And they let JT Barrett throw the ball around like he's, I don't know, who throws the ball around a lot. What a great reference that was. I won't say Tom Brady but Tom Brady um now they're going to run and they're going to they're just going to run over Michigan State based on that line. So I'm taking Ohio State lay the 17 because that line is funky, funky, funky. The next one is Oklahoma State and Iowa State.
1: I like Oklahoma State big here. I think Iowa State had a nice run. They are home and it's an early game. Uh but I think they're uh they're a little out of their league here. I don't. They have a good defense, but I think Oklahoma State, coming off a loss to Oklahoma, will not be down. They'll be up, which will be a, kind of a reversal of thinking. They'll go on the road and win comfortably here.
0: I agree. A six-and-a-half point line, I think Oklahoma State croaks them. Um, the next one is Georgia-Auburn. This is a really tough one. Georgia favored by two-and-a-half on the road depends on which Auburn team shows up
1: yeah I think there's only one Georgia team they're gonna show up and I think they win I think it will be low scoring and tight um I don't I don't think 1710 is out of the question I don't think 1714 is out of the question but Georgia's only getting two and a half here they you know they I'm, I'm sorry Auburn's only getting two and a half I thought this line would be more toward five six points so I like Georgia here on the road afternoon game not a night game so we'll take Georgia
0: I like Auburn just because they're a home dog and, um, you know, a uh, number 10 team in the country, getting points at home, I always like to bet that. That doesn't mean I think that they're the better football team or that they'll win outright. They might lose by a point and still cover. But I, I like getting points if I'm the number 10, 10 team in the country. But, again, I'm always wrong. And, and, again, I haven't even put in my picks for tomorrow. I'll probably change my mind 15 times between now and then But because um, I'm sure that's one of the games we have to pick. Iowa at Wisconsin. This- This could be the end of
1: the Wisconsin discussion. Iowa's losses this year, two-point, literally the last play against Penn State, a seven-point loss to Michigan State and an overtime loss to Northwestern, uh, coming off a big-time win over Ohio State. This game has always played close. Wisconsin has played absolutely nobody. We don't know exactly what kind of team they have. Uh, Surprisingly, Iowa can score points. Uh, They can throw the ball. I think they can score points against Wisconsin. Uh, I don't think, I think Wisconsin pulls it out late, but definitely doesn't cover 12.
0: I think Wisconsin rolls them. I think Iowa is going to have a big come down. I don't think Brian Ferentz can call another game like that uh, because he called the perfect game against Ohio State. And I think Wisconsin is just going to be too big and just roll them. Um, And that defense of Wisconsin is very, very underrated. So I'm looking for something like, you know, 28 to 10 in uh, Wisconsin covering. But again, I'm always wrong, so I bet the opposite. Alabama, Mississippi State, Bama favored by only 14 on the road with no Yeah, that's
1: that's the interesting thing. Um, you know, can, can Alabama's defense, we'll see how good the defense is now. You know, you know they have some injuries and we're going to see who can step in and do well. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, I think Mississippi state is a little outclassed here against big time competition. They've been blown out twice. Uh, I think Alabama can go into Starkville and which I continue to say they should not be allowed to have those cowbells. It's incredibly annoying to listen to on television. I don't know why you can't bring noisemakers into any other stadium except Mississippi state. It's a stupid rule. I mean, the people of Starkville, Mississippi must be given something. Uh, But
0: yeah, that's what I was just going to say. You have to make an exception because they. Let
1: <laughs> but uh, I think Al- actually Alabama, I, I I don't know where to go on this line though because I think Alabama is going to try to slow it down offensively, to kind of mask their defensive woes a little bit, their injuries. Um, but I still think Alabama rolls. They're going to be able to run the ball uh, and score points. Um, so I, if I had to, if I, if there was a shotgun to my head, which there isn't, but there you know, should be. Uh, I would take Alabama with this line.
0: I'm going to make it a lot simpler than that um, and with a lot less explanation. Bama. Always take Bama. If you bet Bama 100% of the time, you're going to win 90% of your bets. Period. Uh, Let's go on. I'm going to save Convex versus Catholics for the last one. So let's go TCU-Oklahoma. Oklahoma Oklahoma at home, favored by 6.5. I'm going to go oklahoma I think that offense is just going to outscore TCU, and I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. The over-under is 62, I would take I
1: love Oklahoma in this game. Gary Patterson's one of my favorite coaches. But uh, when you look at recruiting here, TCU gets you know second-rate players and gets coached up. Oklahoma gets four and five stars. They're at home, night game. I'll take Baker Mayfield over Kenny Trill Hill any day of the week. And uh, I think Oklahoma wins pretty comfortably there.
0: All right. So we agree on that one. And then finally, Notre Dame laying three and a half on the road at Miami. I'm taking the fighting Irish and the offensive line because I don't believe in Miami's offense.
1: I'm Catholic. I was an altar boy until I was 18 years old. Well, that's,
0: that pathetic. Is not- that's pathetic. That's pathetic.
1: Also went to Penn State. Eighteen years
0: old—that's almost like child abuse. I was Catholic, but I was never an altar boy. That's called
1: discipline, 18. my friend.
0: You, that's called child that's, abuse. Are your parents still around?
1: That's called discipline.
0: We need to like <laughs> file charges or something.
1: Like Definitely that. Notre Dame in this game. I don't totally. think Miami. You know, I think that game last week against Virginia Tech was a little bit of a mirage. I don't know how good Virginia Tech really is, and Miami really hasn't played anybody else. Notre Dame is going to go down there and win. Big,
0: big. You heard it, big, and that's it. That's it. So I'm. It's. It's about two o'clock local time here, so I'm about ready to get into bed. <laughs> I didn't. I'm surprised you um, got out already. Because <laughs> of this stupid time change. Well, I get up uh, early because you know the one of the benefits of this tremendous time change is that the sun pokes through at six ten a.m. So that's awesome. Um, so it's getting lighter in the morning. <clears throat> and then dark by four o'clock. Eventually, which is great, the day shrinks so much, is that it's dark when you wake up and it's dark when you go to bed, and then you just want to jump out a window. So around two o'clock is my bedtime, I would say, on the East Coast. From now until we change the again in March, so I know why you're know, so, why you're nice so
1: because here it's it's you cool, uh, it's crisp outside, but it's sunny all the time. You know, so you don't in Connecticut. I lived there eighteen months. I had to get out. Uh, and, uh, it's just always so gray and miserable during the, during the winter there. It's just really depressing.
0: Oh, it is. It's gray right now and it's, it's, <laughs> it'll be dark in two hours. I'm popping vitamin D like M&Ms, but it's not helping my depression at all. So, uh, this is going to really be good for our podcast ratings because this is the way it's going to be for the next five, six months. But wait till you see Mike Farrell in the spring. Like, like George that Hamilton, a like a That's George Hamilton walking around
1: person. football camps.
0: Oh, a bronze god <laughs> who's always happy. So just hang in there until, like, April, folks. But just put up with this misery in the meantime. Read my stinking article about Big Ten realignment and listen to the podcast. And Dave Barry, you can do your spiel and get us out of here. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll end on a high note then.
2: <laughs> All right. Check us out on Twitter, as always, at Real Dave Barry, at Adam Gorney, and at Rivals Mike. Uh, and you can always leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. So we will see you guys uh, next week.